Hello again. Um, my name is Richard Spangler. For those of you who don't know me, i uh, prophet from, Virginia, from Chesapeake, Virginia. And I just wanted to, this is going to be beginning a teaching, a series of teachings from my book, Covenants of Fire, Covenants and the Fire. And you can go, you can get that at Amazon.com. If you'd like to order it, you can get the easy ways to put Covenants and the Fire. Or you can use my name, Richard L. Spangler, and you can order it directly from Amazon and have it on hand in a, in a day or two. We're going to be going through this for quite a while because I feel it's very important to teach on this. But I wanted to lay some groundwork first. Um, one of the founding scriptures for this whole book is called, it's in Psalms 25, 14. It says, The Lord is a friend of those who fear him. He teaches them his covenant. And that's what this book about is teaching about the covenants of God and the fire of God and what that importance is for us today. Now, to give you a little background, this all started back on November 11th, 2018, when God gave me a prophetic word for the church. And it's a very powerful word, and I'm going to go ahead and share it for you verbatim. And the word started saying, God saying, stop saying I'm moving in the hour. Stop saying, I'm moving in the hour, says the Lord. I am moving in the moment. I am moving in the moment. Many say that I am moving in the hour. They think they have 55, 59 minutes before they must move. This is the time. This is the moment of my moving. I saw three pillars coming down from heaven. The first pillar came down over the Chesapeake Bay uh, on Cape Henry at the mouth of the bay. Its fire flowed over the bay and followed up the, to the eastern shore and southward along the coast of Virginia Beach in northeastern North Carolina and covered the Atlantic Oceans for hundreds of miles. The second pillar came down over Christian Broadcasting Network, CBN, and the Regent University. And at this point, I heard the Lord say, I will not allow Regent University to go the way of Harvard or Yale. I'll talk more about that in a minute. The second pillar spread out in every direction, connecting to the first pillar. Its fire flowed to the south, and the fire flowed, nor flowed into northern Georgia. It connected with the third pillar in the west. The third pillar of fire came down over Richmond, Virginia area. This pillar of fire was directed to the west, reaching across the mountains into Tennessee, West Virginia, and Ohio. And then the fire also spread north, covering Washington, D.C., Maryland, and flowing into Pennsylvania. I asked the Lord, why three pillars of fire in one place? The Lord answered, Virginia is the gateway to the nation. Since the first settlers came ashore, and dedicated the land. This has been a gateway. I'm establishing my presence in the gateway. I will keep evil from entering through the gateway. The Lord began to speak again. I am doing a new thing. I'm moving in the moment. I will do signs and wonders like and the quantity has never been seen before. You cannot look to the past for how I am moving now and, you, and what is manifested in this time. There will be some of my people who will not move with me. I will still bless them, but they will miss the fullness of the blessings that I have for him. There are some who will oppose my moving in this way. If they continue to harden their hearts, I will remove them. At this point, I saw another vision across of the United States. There were 23 pillars of fire coming down across the nation. Fire from these pillars were flowing in every direction, even crossing borders into Mexico and into Canada. 
everywhere the pillars came down and the fired flow i saw there were times when church buildings were overflowing with people 24 hours a day a weeks at a time i began to think lord there's not enough chairs the Lord spoke to me and said, don't worry about the chairs. Most of my people will be on the floor due to my weighty presence filling those places. The vision also showed me colleges and schools where students, teachers, and professors were crying out to God on the floor in the classroom. Regent University was one of these places. The next vision was of the world. Thousands of pillars of fire coming down on islands in Asia, Africa, Europe, and South America. This move of God will touch every continent. In the vision, God brought me close to the Middle East, and there was a pillar of fire in Israel. The pillar of fire spread f across the desert south, north, into south, north, and into Lebanon and beyond, and east to the Euphrates rivers. This is what God gave me as a vision in uh, 2018. And since then, uh, I've had a seri series of visions uh, dealing with specific areas across the United States and the world. And I have spoken these, these, about these visions everywhere I have ministered since that time. Then about a year later, on November 2019, God began to have me impart the fire of God to individuals. The Lord spoke to me, and I was praying to impart not to, and, and not to stop saying fire of God, and touching their heads until I, he said stop. I was not to be like King Joash in 2 Kings 13, 18-19, who only struck the ground with three times with the arrows. The king and Israel did not get complete victory because they only struck three times. God's having me tap the ground, literally saying, fire of God, fire of God, fire of God, fire of God, until he tells me to stop. After about two weeks of imparting the fire of God, I began to wonder about it, and the Lord spoke, The fire of God is for the individuals, is connecting them to the pillars of fire that I showed you. I have not even become close to realizing the possibility God was having me impart the fire of his presence, just like the day of Pentecost. The tongues of fire are an impartation of the Holy Spirit and the very fire of God. Then God gave me, gave me an impression to study the fire of God. The first mention of the fire of God. And I began to question the Lord. I said, Lord, I, I've been around a while. I know about the fire of God. I know what goes on with the fire of God. I've been in fire tunnels. I've been part of the Toronto Blessing. I've been to Pensacola, you know, I've been a part of it with the Pensacola. I've, I've been to various places where the fire of God's moving. I, I've experienced it. And I know what the fire of God is. And the Lord said, no, you don't. <laughs> I'm arguing with God. Uh, something we all do from time to time. And God said, study the covenant, study the fire of God. Fine, he said, for me to study it. And, the, and I went to look for the first mention of the fire of God. And I got an amazing revelation of what the fire of God really is. And we're going to begin to discuss that in the coming weeks uh, ahead. Uh, and it's also in my book, The Covenants and the Fire, but we're going to go into a little more detail here than what we've talked about. This vision, this, this series of visions of the fire. The first thing I really want to, to, to say to you is if you've been waiting for God to move, stop waiting. The time is now for you to step out 
as a believer, as a child of God, as one who has been authorized by the king himself to go forth and to do things. Begin to step out and be prepared for what God's going to do without expectation. It's up to you to decide whether you want to move with God or to sit and watch it happen. So the call is, as he said, the call is for us to move. And it's not just in one, two, three places. You're talking with the, with the vision I saw of the United States, 25 different places where the fire of God is going to fall or is falling now. It's not an is going to. It is a now word. In the moment is now. God is moving now, and we need to understand that. Now, this was before COVID. COVID began to re- began to be a an issue in, Nove- in 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 January, and we know what happened after that. We were locked down and held away, but the fire of God was still moving. God is still moving. God is not stopping. We look at the situation today. It does not matter what is he is he has not been surprised by what's going on in the Ukraine. He has not been surprised by the increase in gas prices. He's not been surprised by inflation. It's no surprise to God that he that this is going on and at the same time he's moving. There have been times through history, all through history where things have begun to go bad. For people, and they begin to cry out to God. They begin to seek His face. People seek out God in times of distress and in times of and in times of affliction. And this is what's happening. God said, "If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land." The key is, he says, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. There's the key. Repentance and seeking. In this time of what God is doing, we need to make sure we are repenting of things that we have done wrong. We repent of our sins. We go to people and ask for forgiveness. We go to people and say, you offended me and I forgive you. It's up to us to begin to step out in that love that God is talking about in his fire and passion and begin to move with God. Begin to move with God. Begin to say, okay, God, I'm clean. I'm going to spend time with you. Take the time like I've talked about in the earlier uh, teachings that you can go back and listen to and spend time with God. I know you pray. I know you read the Word. Some of you even meditate on the Word, which is perfectly good and acceptable things to do. But there's one thing that we seem to forget, that God is in a relationship with us. And relationships are dynamic and changing. And God wants us, God doesn't change, but he wants to change us to bring us into a place where we can move into a relationship with him where we will know his heart and we will know his heartbeat. Psalms 91 says he covers us under the shadow of his wings. That means we're right underneath his shoulder. We're right where we can hear the heartbeat of God and we can hear his whispers. That's the first key to moving with God is to begin to say, God, I want to know you. I want you to come and be with me. I want to be with you. It's one of the my, one of the things I say almost daily 
Lord, I want to be with you. Come and be with me. And then I stop talking. And I wait on the Holy Spirit. I wait on the Father. And I just listen. And sometimes it's a word. Sometimes it's just his presence. But being in his presence is so mighty, so wonderful, so powerful that you don't want to leave. And the good news, when you invite God in like that every day, when you say, Father, I want to be with you, come and be with me, God doesn't just come in for a short stay. He sets up house. In a different way, we're all filled with the Holy Spirit, but this is a different release of a different level of the presence of God in your life, of a different relationship. God is calling us in that relationship so we can handle the fire that is coming, the fire of God that is coming. And I, and I reiterate this, that when, 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 when John the Baptist said, and I wasn't planning to really talk about this, but I'm going to go ahead as the Holy Spirit's leading, when John the Baptist said in the scriptures, when he, when he saw Jesus, when, he, when they asked him, are you the one? He said, no, I'm not the one, but I am the one who is proclaiming the one that's coming. I'm, he is the one who I, am un, who I am not worthy to unlatch his shoes. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. Holy Spirit, baptize in the Holy Spirit and fire. And in the Greek, and means and. Two separate events. The baptism of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of fire. And that's what the apostles got, the, the believers got on the day of Pentecost. They got a baptism in the Holy Spirit and a baptism in the fire of God, which is the passion, the love of God. And the combination of two changed them and changed the world. We'll, we'll talk more about that later as we go on. But the amazing thing is every time we've still, we're going to start studying these various covenants, every time there was a covenant, every time there was a covenant, there are multiple manifestations of God. So just because we think there's just one, we need to stop limiting God. There were multiple manifestations of God on the day of Pentecost. Not just the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we have been unpacking the, the things of the baptism of the Holy Spirit for over a hundred years now. Since Azusa Street, actually before there were people who were experiencing it. And they, they called it the fullness. It came out of the, out of the, out of the Second Great Awakening with Finney. Then, then to the Holiness Movement. Then to the Day of Pentecost. All this... From this point forward, from Azusa Street forward, we have been literally restoring what the Holy, the baptismal Holy Spirit gave us. What was lost has been restored. And we'll talk more about that in, in, in the book and in this teaching. But the key thing is, now God is saying, I want to baptize you in my fire. I want to baptize you in my love. Solomon at the temple dedication, when he prayed, he said the first words out of his mouth as he was dedicating was, Lord, thank you for your covenant of love. We have the misconception that the covenants, the old covenants, were not covenants of love. They were covenants of law and don't do this, do that. If you do, if you do this, you'll be punished. If you do that, you won't be punished. 
And that's true to a sense because it's the same today. God gives us things that he knows, tells us not to do things because he knows it will harm us mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. When you sin, it affects every area in your body. When you get angry and bitter, and that's a whole other teaching on how it affects your brain. When you go around with bitterness and anger, you actually destroy portions of your brain. I don't know about you, I need every bit of the brain I've got. And that again is another teaching we can get into further on down the road. But the key here is God, every time he moved, every covenant, there were multiple experiences in the presence of God, and there was the fire of God. Every covenant, the fire was manifested. And we're going to get into that. And the fire, we always look at the fire symbolizing his power. But in, if you study the, the Greek and the Hebrew, another connotation is passion, love. Fire is passion. God wants us to be on passionately on fire, to have his passion burning in us. And as we, as I've strongly, and God looked at you when he started thinking about creating you, yes, you, the individual person, not just the world, not just the, the church, but the, you as an individual, as his child, he fell as he thought about you. He fell madly, passionately in love with you. Wow. He fell madly and passionately in love with you. Even he saw everything in your life. He saw what you would do wrong. He saw the sins. He saw everything. And he said, my love is enough that I'm going to create them anyway. I love them that much that I'm going to go ahead and create. I'm going to go ahead and bring them into my presence. I'm going to go ahead I would make the way for them to get back, come back to me. Which is what Jesus did, and then He says, "I'm going to give them. I'm going to give them blessings beyond what they can imagine. I'm going to do things in their lives that they can't even imagine." And we are entering a time of God's moving, and we need to move in the moment with Him because He wants to give us more than we can imagine. And the the first step of that is understanding. The baptism of fire is more than power. We don't seek the power; we seek the passion. So when we seek the passion, the fire of God into our life, we're seeking God. We want to know him face to face. Begin to make that cry of your heart. Lord, I want to know you. I want to see you. I want to be with you. Daddy, come and be with me. I want to be with you. And this started long before this word was given, years and years back. When I was 16, 14, 15, 16-year-olds in the 1960s, telling my age now, um, I got saved, and I was saved in a, in, a, in a denominational church, and the first thing they started telling me is, well, you have to read the Word an hour a day. You have to pray an hour a day. Kind of legalistic. But a 14-year-old, unchurched person, I had a real struggle with that. I had a real... I mean, I was pulling my hair out trying to do it, and I was beating myself up because I couldn't do it. I did not have the attention span to read the scriptures an hour a day or pray an hour a day. At 14, what 14-year-old does? So here I am in a dilemma, beating myself up, uh, and then soon after I get baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I'm still beating myself up trying to do something that to me seemed impossible. 
And I heard a man on the 700 Club, a pastor of First Baptist Church of Texas at the time, he was talking, I can't remember his name right now, I wish I could, and Pat Robertson asked him, how did you stay so long at a church? You've been there 35 years. And the, and the pastor said, well, you know, most people, most pastors, are. this is, this is their routine. They come into a church full of fire, feminine vigor, full of the Holy Spirit, and they teach and preach for about three years, and they start doing everything else that a pastor is expected to do of us today. And by the time two or three years are up, they are burned out, fried to a crisp, maybe five years at the most, and they resign and leave. And then they start the whole process over at a new church. He says, my key to... Being, at a, being in the same place of ministry for 35 years, as I go into my office, I have a standing order, my secretary, my staff, no one is disturbed to disturb me, and I spend my first three hours every day on my face before God. I don't know why I remember that so much, but it's embedded in my brain. And I began to go, how do you do that? Three hours, this, this man's leading a, a church, the largest Baptist church in America at that time. How, do we, how does he do that? And that how too, I never could figure it out. Within a few years later, I'm asking God to show me his my his heart. I began to cry out for his heart. And I was working um, a, a secular drive driving for the bus company here in Hampton Roads and uh, Tidewater in Virginia Beach, driving a trolley up and down the boardwalk during the summer. Now these trolleys were the old trolleys, they had no air conditioning. They were open air, and if you've ever been to Virginia Beach in the summertime in July, you know it gets up to about in the 90s, and the humidity can put you into the hundreds. That, uh, that heat and humidity together is a very dangerous thing to do, and I'm sitting beside an engine that's not well insulated, and it's putting off heat too. So I'm driving up and down Atlantic Avenue. It was a holiday weekend. The police had closed Atlantic Avenue to, to, all, but tr but to all but trolley traffic. Because there were so many people. And suddenly I hear the Lord say, I'm going to show you my heart. And I go, Great God, that's wonderful. I thank you. Thank you. Going to show I'm thinking in church, you know, it's on Sunday service. And God says, No, I'm going to show you it now. And he opened the traffic. I had to stop. The police officer stopped me to let this crowd of people go by. And all of a sudden, God opened up everything about every person. I could see every hurt, every pain, every joy, everything about them. I could see ones that were demon-possessed, ones that were, were, were demon-oppressed. I mean, all their stuff. I mean, I saw everything. And this, what is now known as an open vision. I didn't know what it was. I wasn't trained in that. I just, God was just allowing me to see this mass of people moving across the road in front of me. And they just seemed to keep coming and keep coming. And I'm seeing all this stuff. And I suddenly groan. And I had a trolley full of people. And one of the people leaned over and said, Driver, are you okay? And I, I didn't admit I wasn't okay. I said, I'm okay. I'm fine. You know, I'm a little... A little <laughs> wisdom uh, a little lie there that i wasn't okay but what i was seeing was so amazing that i had groaned out loud and didn't even realize it and then after a period of time i don't know how long this was god says i'm going to show you how i feel about them i'm going to show you my heart and he opened up and flooded me with his love for each and every individual that was walking across that road 
I still saw everything, but the, but his love was so overwhelming that I groaned even louder. And the people in the trolley are going, driver, are you sure I'm all right? You're all right? I'm saying, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. And mercifully, the crowd finally passed. And the police officer waved us on to travel on down the road. And I got down to the end. We have a place called an inlet, a Rudy Inlet in Virginia Beach. I turned around. There were other trolleys getting to go back north. And I get in line. I get off the trolley and I walk from 1st to 5th Street saying, Lord, please lift this. The, the, the love was still so overflowing. I couldn't even see straight. I was Tears were running down my face. And I'm going, Lord, please lift this. Please lift this. And finally, after a few minutes, it did lift. And I said, thank you, Lord, for showing me your heart. And he said to me, you haven't even scratched the surface. That's was my first experience with the love of God. It took years and years and years later, but it transformed my life right then. From that point on, I looked at people differently. From that point, when people did things, I didn't worry about what they did. I forget. I was able to forgive more than I'd ever been able to forgive. And my wife was saying, you're just too loving. You're just too kind. And people walking over you, I go, it doesn't matter. God loves them and I love them. That's that's where we start. That's where I started. And I, and now, you may not have an experience like that, but I pray that you do. I pray that God will open his heart to you and flood you with his love. That's what I'm talking about. Beyond that, the baptism of God's love, the baptism of his fire, is far greater than what I experienced that day driving a trolley up and down Virginia Beach. So, my friends, I just wanted to share that with you. We will go into the covenants of fire. We will start with Abraham, and we will work through this together. Again, if you want to follow along in the book, the book is called The Covenants and the Fire. It's on Amazon. You can get a digital version, downloadable, or you can order the actual book. And uh, if you get the actual book, of course, you can make notes on the side of it, on the, on the margins, uh, and uh, build your own experience with God as we go through this. Let me pray for you. Father God, we agree right now. Lord, we agree for these pe- for these wonderful people who are listening to this video, this audio teaching, God, this podcast. Lord, we ask you to bless them and bless them abundantly. Lord, show them your love. Pour in your love. Begin now to begin to baptize them in your passion, in your fire. Lord God, now is the, we are moving into a now time with you. We agree this is a time to move. It's a moment time, God, not an hour time. It's in the moment with you, God. And Lord, help us to walk in the moment with you and to move with you. Lord God, we agree for it now. Lord, we thank you. And Lord, I declare the blessing over them. That was declared by the priest over the nation. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord raise up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And we declare this for them and their generations. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you until we meet again. And we hope to hear from you soon. Bye-bye.